Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Hello, everyone. Good to see you today. Thank you for investing time here. My name is Jerome, and I get to serve as the lead pastor. Today is one week following Easter Sunday where we proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ to those that were in person, but we also broadcast, broadcasted it to the whole entire world online. And that's a big deal because the good news of Jesus, just like the worship song, there's only one name, one name, one name to which mankind can be saved, Jesus. And he's so beautiful. But as the wide net is thrown out, if you will, or the, the, the message is proclaimed to the masses, Jesus has a way of getting it to be intimate and small. So not only is the gospel so big that all 8 billion people need to hear it, but it's so intimate where we can be one-on-one with God and one with each other. So I think where the rubber meets the road or the traction is best served is in very small, close proximity, a table. And today is titled, Make Yourself Home in Jesus. If you have moved several times in your life, you are familiar with U-Haul. U-Haul, you rent a truck, you fill it with a bunch of items, you procrastinate to the last second, and you are basically packing while you have invited every single person with a pulse that could help you that day, and you throw it all on them, and you say, protect my whole house, please, even though it's not boxed, it's not put together well, and you stuff it inside this whole place because it's your life, it's your belongings, it's things that you've accumulated. And me, I don't have this one house where I would say, oh, that house was home. Now, there's seasons and stages of life that were nostalgic, that our family got to create memories or friends that happened. But what I'm saying is this, that home is not a place, not even a address. It's a person, Jesus. John 15, 4, Jesus says this, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce the fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. Remain. There was three crowds we spoke to last week. We said, hey, this is your moment. Come to Jesus. Two, this is your moment. Be baptized. No longer you who lives, but Christ who lives. Dead in sin, alive in Christ, born again. And then the third crowd was, what if we could stay a while or remain to be home in the person of Jesus? The message puts it this way. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you in the same way that a branch cannot bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You cannot bear fruit unless you are joined with me. It's very sobering to think that there is things that I 
put my hands to, there is work and activity that could be in vain. It has no point. It could be produced out of flesh or desires that would serve me or be shallow that it's only going to last a lifetime and not be intentional to be a home that could withstand the storms of life. And too often we build our houses on sinking sand. May I submit to us today that in order to build a house that will last is not one with brick and mortar. It's a life that's built in and on Jesus. And that takes us pausing to slow down because I think sometimes we say, well, well, how do I do that? Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I'll tell you who. His name is Jesus. And if we stop to ask first, we can make ourselves home in him. Matthew 13, famous passage, uh, the parable of the sower. You know, Jesus, he tells us to go make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So in other words, he's saying all the continents that are on this planet are now sacred space given under his authority, and he has purchased it back. That Christ is victorious over everything, everywhere, and when he returns, that, that truth will be uh, fully revealed, but that in Jesus has fully been unlocked now, and we now are unlocked and uh, commissioned to go be sent to make disciples, to proclaim the good news, to be witnesses, and where there's this idea sometimes what is sacred and secular um, are at war with each other, and there's no doubt that the evil uh, in this world has strongholds and taken kind of short-term stay in residing in, in regions or even places and spaces, but that God's people, though, that we would understand not by our authority, and we shouldn't go alone, we need to go with somebody in the authority of Jesus Christ, we, we can start to then uh, be salt and light to everywhere, and what, what happens so quick is we start to say, this address is sacred, or this is what happened here is sacred, and take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Amen. I do believe, almost like a portal, that there's some spaces on this planet that are sacred. But he tore down the temple, and he would rebuild it again on who and in who? Himself. The veil is torn. There is no divide that the sacrifice of Christ is permanent. It is perfect. So therefore, that I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus, now I can enter the throne room of grace boldly and to be home, one with God. Now this is a tension for sure, especially when we might not have the, the, the amenities that we would long for or we would not have a home that we could say, well, I, I relate with a, a home that I that feels divine and heavenly because this presence in this land or this address is, is godly. I've created godly memories. But I think for a lot of us, though, we might relate more with, oh, this address was used for darkness or this place has been a place of pain and, and even the home we find ourselves in could, could be a war and a toil. And I think what Jesus was saying is, it's not the space, it's not the place anymore. It's me. And if you want to bear fruit that lasts, you have to build it in me and with me. 
In Matthew 13, Jesus teaches his followers, one, he's proclaiming to a, a, a large crowd. And he's, there's, there's what, what is known as parables. These are sh- short stories that are analogies or similes that are used as like to have a main point. And we're going to read 1 through 23. Picking it up from verse 1 in Matthew 13, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. A great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang sprang up since they had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away." Other seeds among the thorns, among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. There is a mystery that goes on. Jesus, why are you speaking in riddles? What is going on? This isn't Jim Carrey and Batman. What is the riddle? Give me the point. And if you find yourself asking those questions, that's exactly what the disciples came up to him and said. It continues in verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to the crowds or to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And digging through commentary and getting a lot of answers, I still find myself wondering, wait, why do some people get the kingdom and the secrets revealed to them and others don't? I thought God longs to save people, and he does. And there's two things to be true, but yet you could, in a crowd, have a message proclaimed, and one person responds and says, it's Jesus. And the other person could say, "Mm, I don't know, that was cool. There was a hot dog last week in a helicopter. And it continues in verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing do they do not hear, nor do they understand. And I pray this would not be us, this would not be me. One of the mistakes we can make is, oh, I see I understand correctly. There's been countless studies that none of us can, even if there was an event that took place in this room today and all of us recorded what we saw, it would be different because we have, we, we, it's so, we're subjectively influenced by our own tendencies, our upbringing, our trauma, our biases, our blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. We all have them. And then in Jesus, we're saying, hey, you're our rabbi. You are the way, the truth, and the light. You are the one who's leading us, your Savior and your Lord, so teach us. And that's what they're asking. Teach us. Teach us, Jesus. Teach us. You know, and we have God's word. It's a lamp to our feet. We told our kids this week, you know, what's the one thing? And don't make this sound glamorous. It was more overcompensation, meaning What's, we asked them the question, what's the one thing you need to remember if, 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 that I would want you to know? And it, it, that you would say, dad cares most about this. And they all went around. And 
I realized I was asking the question because I really wanted to make sure they knew the point, not because I've been doing a great job of cultivating the point, but the answer to the question was, I want you to know that the word of God is most important. One person answered it. We were all kind of fumbling and stumbling through it. And I was like, no, it's the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Jesus, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. The word was God, with God. And then this written word that's been translated, yes, but been preserved by its intent to reveal who God is, who we are. And then given this this game plan of life, this blueprint and this order of how we would walk life out. Well, here they find themselves wondering, okay, why are some understanding some art? And Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I speak in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor did they understand. And the point I was trying to illustrate with our kids was, even if you don't hear me, even if you don't see us, even if you don't see it even daily, you can find in God's word everything you need to life, but you got to go to it and believe it is, it is um, it's a living River, it's alive and active, sharper than any sword. But if you feel it's forced and heavy, then you'll never understand what he really did for you. He sacrificed for me and you out of love. And he's given us his word to change us, transform us. But our flesh, it wants to get something now, now, now. And we're gonna get the point of the parable because when we hear the word and we wanna do something fast, it just doesn't work. We try to grow our grass on our property, and anything we've ever tried to do fast when it comes to agriculture terms, it never works. We bought plants indoors, tried to do them fast. My plant game is below average, and no, I don't need extra help on it. It's kind of fun to discover along the journey. But the point is, Jesus is using an agricultural term because we aren't meant to grow fast in him. We're meant grow in the good soil, and he gives this parable, and maybe you've heard it tied to money before, and the disciples are saying, okay, what is the point? And then it goes on to say, it references the, uh, the prophecy of Isaiah, and we're going to skip down to verse 18. In 18, he explains very clearly to his core, here, then, the parable of the sower. Has anyone, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one snatches away what was sown in his heart. Then what was sown along the path. And for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Because Sometimes we can get really excited. Oh, they heard the word of God. Look at us. They're responding. Yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. Like to hear it. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word. I think about Jesus' interaction with the young rich ruler. And it proves unfruitful. Verse 23. This is where all, let's all lean in in this one, because this is what we long to be. With no shame, no condemnation, 
just a, a big invitation to be home in Jesus. And for what was sown on good soil, this is the one, the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, 60. And in another, 30. The good soil of Jesus, the word of God, to be in him will be lives that last. Now, God, he has a patience that we don't have. How do we know if we're in the good soil? What if we took two steps forward and four back? Well, if we still care and we're wrestling, it's a good sign that you're remaining in Jesus. But anytime we think it's fast or it's gonna solve everything, and when it doesn't, a lot of times, it's like, I tried Jesus, it didn't work. It's not the point. What's his worth to us? Not if it works. His worth is that he saved me. His sacrifice is permanent. Now, if you are one of the old heads, and when I say that, I don't mean that negative. I'm, I feel like I'm definitely relating with one of the old heads. So I find myself saying things to the kids that aren't in parable form. So meaning, we tell them things like this, because I said so. Do you know what it took to get here? Back in my day, we did, well, let's be real. No one's day was that severe. Okay, no, you're, you're not that sweet. No one was sweet. I'm not that sweet. No one was that sweet. I guarantee there's stories that would lap us forever and forever and forever and forever. It doesn't matter. And there is, look, and I'm not downplaying your pain. You've probably been through some serious stuff. But you live long enough, you're going to find somebody that they went through stuff too. Now, God isn't ranking pain, which is really beautiful. He has a way to say, no, I'm coming in for you, and I'm coming in for you, and I'm coming in for you. And I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here, and I'm here. Because he's that present and that intimate. Emmanuel, God with us. But I find myself telling our kids, it's like, look, man, we sacrificed so much for you to be here if you only knew. Do we know the sacrifice that God the Father gave his son? What does he long for us to sacrifice? Does he want us to do the sacrifice again and again and again and again? So is the point of baptism to, to just sacrifice again is the point of being with God. Now, there is a truth that as we're in Jesus, we should sacrifice. Servants laying down our lives, consider others higher than ourselves, for sure, by all means. But God longs more for relationship that we would in, remain in him, home in him. And just simply, when we understand the sacrifice of what was done, it's easier to obey. Because if we just give somebody the law and tell them here's what was hard or heavy, or just you, if you only knew my story back in the day, has anyone realized that, that, that pitching a vision and pitching a parable that way, no one wants to follow? No one cares about how hard it was? We gotta invite them into a story in our own life, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, in a way that would be adventurous, loving, life-giving. That's why God is constantly reminding us of what? His love. Because love is that, it's, it's the oil that keeps the car going. It's the, it's the, like the, the whole, uh, the blood flow system. It's the heart that pumps through us. It keeps us healthy. Otherwise, we get bone on bone. We got no ligaments. The love of God. The love of God that is not ethereal, but that has grit, that has teeth, that is amazing, that was fine. As Jesus took the cup of wrath for all of our sin. And that's a sacrifice that's worthy to follow. Well, God shows us in light of what sacrifice and obedience would look like. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15, 22. If you're still with me, say amen. All right, I love this. Let's go. And home, you didn't say it, but say amen. 
God sees, they got to say it too. What's up? I was just watching backstage from the TV. It was a real experience. And when they got to the moment when they were singing um, uh, the one name, one name, one name, and they finally said, Jesus, I just clapped. I didn't know what was going on in here. I hope you were clapping. That was a moment. It, tra- it was through, because it was alive. God's name is alive. So I was watching it on the TV. But once I got closer and got backstage, whoo, you just feel it in a certain type of way. I'm partial to that experience. But that's not the downplay. What's taking place at home? They're not the junior varsity team. Come on now. When we're traveling, we watch it at home too. So there's no rank in this. Can church be in person, online, metaverse? Those are conversations another day. I digress. We're going to 1 Timothy uh, Samuel 15, 22. And it says this. Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Come on, God. Shouldn't it be hard and heavy? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, and look at this, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. When we understand what Jesus has done, the natural response is obedience. Here I am, Lord, teach me. You're speaking in stories, but I'm the one who hears. I want to understand. I want to be in the good soil, you. 30, 60, 100-fold. That means as we're on this journey with Jesus, when we get to what we see as a roadblock and when God disagrees with us, this is hard, when God disagrees with us, we don't make God fit into us. We make our life fit into him. He's above us. So when we're being baptized, we're proclaiming to ourselves and the whole world, we are born again. And the sacrifice of Jesus is perfect and permanent. The veil has been torn. But God longs for us to make ourselves home in him and obey. I'm going to, um, and then this goes on even more and more. There's, there's several passages that complement this, that he desires mercy more than a sacrifice, steadfast love, justice more than just sacrifice. So as if we were ranking in a value proposition that God's heart of the why is more important than just doing the what. Like, yeah, I work really hard, or I got to, and I go to church. It's like, no, remember the why. And I know I'm preaching the choir because you're already here. And you're here because you've sensed in life that there's something out there that will never fill, fill what's in our heart, that only a God-sized hole could fill that we believe is Jesus. So we're postured at his feet. Lead us, teach us. We want to know everything, God. So how do we know that our life would last? I want to call Torian and Christina to the stage. And uh, get Connect team, if you guys, we're going to pass out little cup with juice and a wafer on top. And what the cup represents is the blood of Christ, and what the wafer on top is the body of Christ. But some, uh, to, to tee it up, is if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's no sense of invoking judgment on yourself because you're not taking uh, him because you haven't received him as Lord and Savior. So you don't have to do it. You can pass it on. Um, But this is for followers of Jesus that say, no, 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 no. I want to remember his sacrifice and remember it in a way that it's not old. It doesn't take me Easter Sunday to remind it. It's, I have communion with God. I can be one with God. I can be home with God. And I can be home with people because of who? Jesus. So this morning I was driving in 
And uh, I was thinking about somebody else's life. And I remember thinking as I was turning on Wise Road coming from Jolly. And I remember thinking, oh, I hope this person builds their life with God. Otherwise, it won't last. And I pray that they would ask God, Lord, will you build the house? Will you build the home? Otherwise, we labor in vain. In just that moment, I turned and I have this drink. For those that uh, know me, I, I've been really into this one drink by eBoost. And I'm not, I'm not sponsored by them, but if they want to send us a check, we'll use it to love the city one life at a time. And eBoost, and I make it in the morning, and, I keep, and you can sip on it because it's sour, and it's, it's just one of my things. And I got it in the cup holder. But when you turn around corners, unless I have it really secure and I think about it, um, it, it, it could spill. Well, I'm not thinking about the drink, and I'm not thinking about the term, turn. I'm thinking about somebody else's life and I pray that they would build their life on God. I make the turn, and the drink spills all over in the ice and in the car, and I got it instantly. It was like God was saying, why are you so focused on someone else's life, and if they're going to build their house with me, why didn't you ask me today if you're building your house with me? See, it's an exercise I never graduate. And that idea comes out of Psalm 127.1. I want to pull this up. Look at this. got that? Unless the Lord builds the house. Okay, I'm leaned in. Those who build it labor in vain. What a sobering truth that I could spend my life doing things that is in vain. And I think sometimes it's less changing what we're doing, but remembering who we're doing it with and our posture of how. And then it goes on, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So this is deep dependency to say, God, let me focus on my own drink. God, let me focus on my own car ride. God, let me focus on my own family, my own life, our own church. The own log that's in my own eye, right? It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And this is how I wanted to frame communion today. That Christ, when we're in him, making ourselves home in him, there is an exchange, anxious toil, that we're working and it's hard and it's heavy to the unforced, God bless you. It's quite the sneeze right there. There's this exchange of an unforced rhythm of grace that is light, that is not heavy. Exchange. For he gives to his beloved sleep.
So here's what we're gonna do. There's a song, Communion, that they're gonna sing. And the same way the Holy Spirit met me in my car ride, I sensed God today just wanted to meet each one of us where we're at. As we examine our lives and say, God, am I feeling pressure? Am I producing fruit in vain? Am I putting my hands to a plow that doesn't matter? Am I rushing to my destination where I'm not just with you and recognizing what I do have? The grass is always greener where we water it. And we won't prompt you, but at any given time in this song, you can just take the wafer on top and receive it. And Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. And then you can drink the cup whenever you want during the song. And Jesus said, this is my blood that was shed for you, the sacrifice. And we remember him, that he's here with us right here, right now. Father, we pray that we're a people that make ourselves home in you. We're a people that when we come to the, the, the teaching settings where it's big and it's loud and, it, and there's a lot of crowds like Easter was and just like Matthew 13 and then you break it down for us and you say, look, those that are in the good soil, those that remain, those that stay with me and in my word, and they'll produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. And may we see our lives like a plant today. That as we're in the soil of Jesus, the natural byproduct is obedience and fruit. As we're in the soil of Jesus, in receiving who we are as king kids, king's kids, the natural byproduct is to serve this world that desperately longs to be loved. I pray the song ministers to you as it's been ministering to us. This is communion, your body broken, the cup we're drinking is bittersweet, the gift of friendship, truest salvation, born of your suffering on Calvary. remember the sacrifice of love we remember the blood put out for us we remember the only son of god upon the cross From stain to spotless, from wrath to favor, through you our Savior, the work complete in full repentance, led by our kindness, partake of presence as we receive. 
We could just take a moment a little longer and just stay to remember the truth that our home is in Jesus. We all long to have our hands working on fruit that will last. But yet, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the flip to that would be, in him, we can do everything because he is everything to us. He's our home. He's our peace. And he sent the Holy Spirit to counsel and comfort. Maybe there's been a wrestle this week where you're thinking about someone or something that you're frustrated about or something in your life has not been going the way you planned it to be. That in this moment, instead of projecting, we just change the question and say, or change it to a question and say, God, how do I 
build this situation? How do I love like you? How do I labor not in vain? How do I posture my heart to be connected to the vine, to abide, to remain, and to be home? And we pray right now as we examine our hearts, is there anything, the anxious toil, anything that God wants to purify in this moment, let's let it be done. Let's let it happen. Holy Spirit, have your way. Show us your pace. God, remind us of our home in you. God, help us remember in this moment in your sacrifice that you loved us that much. I believe even in this moment as we're letting God clean and purify as the holiness of heaven is moving through us as we stop and receive. That God is showing us things to let go. Behaviors to just stop. And that we're, we're seeing obedience is not I have to, but rather I get to. The good soil, 30, 60, and 100 fold in Christ. We make ourselves home in you, Jesus. And we thank you. And we pray this in your name today. And all of God's people said, Amen. The next service will be a beautiful, well, sacred ceremony, if you will, and celebration mixed with an insert of a bunch of words that I don't know right now, but it'll be a different energy. And if you want to stay for that, you're welcome to. If you didn't come today and you want to be baptized and Jesus has been calling you and you're convicted and today's your day, they have a change of clothes backstage. They have towels. I pray that you wouldn't let anything stop you from following Jesus and putting your life in him to hear, to understand and say, God, I'm with you. And I don't want to be a tree. I don't want to have my root system grow up quick. I want a slow growth and stay and remain with you. And if you got somewhere to go, by all means, you don't have to stay for both services. You might not even know this was happening. So we love you. We'll see you next week, 10 a.m. and 11.30. All races, all faces, and all ages, you belong here. 
we're gonna keep loving this city one life at a time. And we're not gonna stop until Jesus comes back and he makes all things new. Have the best day of your lives.